Hey, are you hiring but not sure where to find the best candidates? As a business owner, I can tell you that your company is only as good as the people you hire. I can also tell you that posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. But when you're short-staffed, there's no time to deal with dozens of different job sites. Until now. Thanks to ZipRecruiter.com, I can post to 100 job sites with just one click and have the highest possible chance of finding that perfect candidate. Just post once within 24 hours and watch your candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. ZipRecruiter has been used by over 300,000 businesses, and you can try it right now for free. F-R-E-E-E-E. Free. Getting the right people for your company is so important. Try ZipRecruiter and get your perfect candidate before they go to somebody else, like my ex-girlfriend. Today, you can try ZipRecruiter for free, like I just said. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash podcast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash podcast. And just in case you didn't hear me, ZipRecruiter.com slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T podcast. See ya. All right, everybody, welcome to another installment of an early morning innovation crush. This is probably the earliest I've ever done this show, so uh, th- thanks for that. Yeah. Um, I have a little sleep in my eyes, but don't, don't mind that. <laughs> um, so, as you guys know, this show covers all things marketing, innovation, entrepreneurship, ideas, cool stuff happening in the marketplace, and the smart people behind those things that are happening in the marketplace. And uh, I want to first introduce my uh, special guest go- co-host in a fancy denim shirt and fancy socks. You came, you came prepared this morning. I did. I did. Woke up extra early to pick out this outfit. <laughs> oh, nice. You pulled it out the vault. Um, David Wong. Thank you. Say hello. hello. Um, hello. Thank you for being here. I think you're uh, having me. Appreciate this. I'm, I'm glad you could make it. So uh, give us a little bit of uh, who David Wong is. You know, uh, producer, DJ, uh, extraordinaire, et cetera, et cetera. I hate to sound like one of those L.A. guys who's like, you know, I do this slash this slash this. But <laughs> I, I am that dude. Uh, my name is David Wong. I'm uh, currently associate producer on Banshee, which is on Cinemax. Uh, I, I do DJ. Uh, I wear cool denim shirts and cool socks. Yep. Daily. Um <laughs> And that's a pretty much about it. Uh, I'm really happy to be here and, and to share the, the seat with you on Innovation Crush. Thanks again, man. Um, and I want one of those Banshee hats when, when we get – actually, yeah, I, got, I want that Banshee hat when we when we get done here. I got one in the trunk for you. All right, cool. That's, that sounded like a threat. <laughs> um, and across from me, uh, the man of the hour, Chameleonaire. Say hello, sir. How you doing, people? Hey, man. When I was checking in, I um, seen David Wong was before me on the check-in <laughs> sheet, and I was like, mm, I just figured it'd be somebody else. <laughs> right. You if got I, the Wong if, guy. Yeah. If I had a nickel. If I had a nickel <laughs> that's funny. He said his name. I was like, oh, that's, that's yeah, David Wong. I'm like, wait, no. <laughs> you're, you're Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Was it Office Space? The one dude had, had um, Michael, Michael, uh, <laughs> Michael Bolton? Yeah, Michael Bolton. He was the, he was the other Michael Bolton. <laughs> Um, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, thanks for having me. I really, I really appreciate this time, and um, I, you know, I, I guess you know, you've recently signed yes. on as an EIR entrepreneur in residence. Yep. Um, tell us what that is. <laughs> um, well, I definitely need to clarify what it is because you know, the other day I saw somebody post something, and they're like, "Chameleonaire has left his dream," and. 
and and joined a nine to five like the rest of us. Like, who, who does that? You know, and I'm like, exactly. no, no, it doesn't work like that. Well, basically, for like uh, a few years, I've been like pretty heavy in tech. And, you know, I've been advising and investing and doing a lot of stuff. And, you know, um, Mark Suster from Upfront Ventures in L.A., was like, you know, for a while, he was always like, man, I think you, you, you're very entrepreneurial. You should start something. You should do something. You should. And I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I was very, uh, you know, excited about tech. Right. Right. And it got to the point where, you know, for years, uh, him and a few other people that I know were often very, like, trying to convince me to do things. And I was just like, nah, man, I was just trying to find my footing in this tech space. And the reason why is not that I was scared. It was because I just knew that I didn't know enough. I knew I wasn't ready then, right? So fast forward to, to today, and we decide that um, I'm going to take this EIR position at Upfront. And what that means is that I'll sit in partner meetings. I'll give them my advice because over the years, I've been kind of giving them my advice already, you right. know, just from a different capacity. And it was like, you know, most people be like, well, what, what could they learn from a rapper? What could they learn from, I think, sometimes just just putting a, a bunch of diverse people in a room. You can get different perspectives from people that come from different walks of life. And right. I think that... Over the years, they start to see the value in the uh, information that I would give them. I would look at things at a different perspective than most people, and it was valuable. They would realize, wow, we didn't even think about that. So they were like, you know what? If we bring this guy into the room, he's very entrepreneurial. He's very smart. Eventually, he's the type of person that we would like to invest in. Not like eventually this guy's going to figure out something and he's going he's gonna to be successful. We want to bring him into our um, situation and kind of just like feed him innovation and he'll figure it out right and the reason why originally i was me and my friend my business partner who's right there sitting on the couch Silo. um yeah he, we used to I go followed to him on twitter last night by the way oh, you do i followed you but <laughs> oh, okay okay yeah that's one second well um <laughs> no. and he's probably on twitter right now looking at twitter right now but anyways um we used to uh hop on the planes and go to san fran all the time and we used to look at la like la wasn't like there was no innovation in la and he would be like, man, you're crazy, man. There's a lot of innovation in L.A. L.A. is turning into this, you know, ecosystem of tech. And I was just like, yeah, well, I get off the plane. I, you know, go to a bar or somebody with my friend and we're talking. And then I'm like, man, I love this this app called Pocket. And they're like, oh, the CEO of Pocket's right there. And you turn to the right and he's like right there. Right. And then you turn and it's like the guy from Reddit is right there. And then the guy from Google is right there. And it's like I, I wasn't getting that in L.A. When I come to L.A., it would be like, you know, I see a rapper or it'd be like celebrities and it'd be just like TMZ. And, you know, it, I wasn't feeling that tech energy. And then they're like, right. you know what, when you come to this venture capital firm, you're going to see all the innovation come to you. I think it's, good. it's a smart move because, you know, LA is sort of this bubbling community of, of technology. And you got you add in a layer of Hollywood creativity, you know, from yeah. your experience, yeah. Dave, it's just like, you know, the, uh, you, know you mentioned it, seeing things differently. You, you see the technology or, or the application of the technology from a very different perspective because yeah. you're storytellers, you're entertainers, you're, you know, and it's different than the business guy who wants to know how the back end works or the engineer that you typically find. You, know, you find the creative visionaries as well, yeah. but the creative stint is a little different here. Have you have you encountered that yet? I know it's, it's all relatively new, but have you encountered that sort of mix of creativity and and um, and tech here in, here in LA? Yeah, definitely. I think you know the problem some people had was um, you know San Fran. It was just that it's all tech like all day that's all they do is just think about tech and there's no break there's no like you know sometimes you got to step away from that to kind of get your mind right and think creative and you know just enjoy life and then go back to that and they felt like it was more of a balance here but what i found is just because i'm a rapper it's a little bit different for me than the average person like the other day i was at an event and 
you know, um, we were going to talk to tech people. We we're all excited. Like, yeah, tech people were talking. And then they're excited about going, leaving and going to the Snoop party. So we're like, we, we, we was doing that for our whole lives. That's we so don't want to go. That's so true. You know, we know yeah. Snoop already. We don't, we, we do that every day. We, we came to talk tech and they were excited about because they talk tech so much. They're like, let's go do something cool. Right. And it was like, you know, so it's just that. About. And then. Obviously, everybody's going to look at me like, oh, the rapper, we need to go in with him so we can get in backstage. And it's like, <laughs> wait a second. We're not trying to turn it into that. So right. just trying to balance that, I think the rapper thing kind of just sometimes. But that's what I was going to ask you about, too. I mean, you know, and we talked about this on the phone before, is just this idea of perception. right? Yeah. And I kind of felt like this was kind of like the underpinning of the conversation is, you know, how people perceive you when you walk in the room and versus what you, you know, what your reality is right now, right? Yeah. Like, is, is, you know, I'm going to just make up a number, but, you know, 80 business, 20, you know, yeah, rap, right? For sure. Um, so how do you navigate that, like, the, that perception and, and communicate the the chameleonaire of 2015, yeah. you know, uh, to the people you encounter? I think you have to make a, like, a real, real aggressive kind of change, you know? And I think you can kind of like dabble in and out, but if you want to be successful in tech and, and like in, in the way I want to be like a founder of a company eventually, and that, that becomes something big, right? you can say that you're dabbling in and out and you go run and do all these shows and mixtapes and it, but like really, if you want to focus on being successful, you got to focus on one thing. And I was always like that. Right. I was always like, you know, if I decided I want to drop an album, that was just what I did. It was that. And I went hard with it. Because, you know, you, you hear about these people that say, oh, well, I do this. I got to, uh, no, nah, you, are you looking at him? Like, no, no, <laughs> he does a lot of stuff. No, but he, he talked about the multi-hyphenate, right? And I think that is a big part of what L.A. is. It's this, right. you know, it's this, and what happens in L.A., at least this is my personal experience, is, you know, I came here, I started, I was doing stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Then I was writing. Then I was producing. Then, I, you know, then I learned how to market. And mm-hmm. then marketing became what it is today. It's all these different things. And if you're a true multi-hyphenate, like, you start you learn to embrace all those things but it's also hard to tell your story so from a personal branding standpoint yeah it's like oh but people, last last month no, you were a dj right month, you, yeah <laughs> and that's it i'm trying so hard to let people know that i'm serious about that and so many entertainers before me often played around with this position they often will yeah i'm re- i really want to be involved in tech and then 10 minutes later they're, they're not they're doing something else and i'm like no no i'm i'm really want to i really want to be involved in tech so you see me at the tech conferences you see me talking to vcs and you see like i'm so deep I, i'm investing i'm advising right like that there's no commitment you can make more than saying I'm going to give you my money because I believe in this stuff yeah, that much. You're diving you know? in. Yeah. And it's like there's so many people that's like, yeah, I, I like tech companies. I want to be involved. And then when it comes time to cut that check, they don't want to cut the check. You right. know, so I'm, I believe that much that I'm willing to put my money on. Well, I got a tech idea. <laughs> Cut the check first. I'll tell, I'll tell you what. I have my people call your people. <laughs> um, no, I mean that's it's a it's a great point. So let's let's make it realistic for the audience, right? You know what? Let's give us some or give them give them some of the portfolio of yeah. things that you dabbled in from a portfolio standpoint. I know Maker Studios is a is a big, big one. one. Yeah, yeah. My so biggest, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, but um, I started first. I started advising, right? So how I started advising was. Um, there's a company called Say Now, and this company had a, um, a, a phone technology that, you know, somebody could, um, I could put my phone number on the internet, post it on Twitter or whatever, and then a fan would see it, and a fan could call that number and then call and leave a message. But the Was thing- this Mike Jones? Uh-huh, that's funny. No. <laughs> his name up in a second. Oh, it wasn't oh, oh. Mike Jones. <laughs> but... Um, there, there was a um, it, it say now was uh, you know we put our phone number on the internet and these fans would call us and the fan could call me and talk to me but it wasn't my real number so if I wanted to decide I don't want to talk to fans I could just turn it off and then fans would be calling they would just get the answer machine 
And if I want to turn it on and go live, I would turn it on and the fans would call and then they would get to talk to me. So I'd say, hey, I want to talk to some fans. Call me right now. And I put my phone number up. So fans mm-hmm. would start calling. And the dope thing about it was that if one fan got on the line with me and started talking, everybody else, what happens to them? They would go on cue and be like in a in a in a in a waiting room and they would hear the conversation with me and this person. Oh, that's cool. That's so then amazing. when I finished the conversation with that person, I decided I wanted to go to another person. I would skip to the next fan and then the person would be waiting on the line and they would just start screaming like, ah, like, you know. Because they know they're next. They know they're next, you know. Right. So it kept on going and then these people could follow me on this line so I'd have 100,000 people following me, 200,000 people following me and instantly if I want to send a um, voicemail message to all these people or a text message to all these people, I could do it instantly. So I would like do things like crash MTV or something like I would be like hey they're posting an article about me I need everybody to go right now to this link and and I would say something and everybody would go and then these websites would be like what is Kamehner doing like well, how is he getting all these people to come right. do all this and it was because I had this audience of people that I could activate instantly right so I thought it was amazing I was like wow this is amazing and then they were like well we're gonna make Mike Jones <laughs> the face <laughs> of this thing you know they were gonna try to and I was just like like no disrespect to Mike Jones, <laughs> you know, but I think you should have everybody use. He's it. on our next show. Just oh <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But e- even him, I was like, you know, you could get him, but just get him and everybody, right? Yeah. Don't get just one person. Nobody should be the one person of the face because if you have that person as the face, then everybody else is gonna be like, I don't want to use it, you know. So, and then they were like, how are we gonna get everybody? And I was just like, I help you. So people say that and they can't really do it. So, you know, I helped them get a lot of people, you know? That's great. Well, I actually helped them get Chris Brown, who ended up leaving a message that went to TMZ. And then after that, a lot of people was like, what is that? And a lot of people started using it. And, um, you know, T-Pain, a few other people. Yeah. So, this works well. I mean, it forwards straight to your phone. It's a, it's a fake number and it comes to your phone. Yeah. So the reason why I was positive about it is because I just know how artists think. So I'm like, man, they're going to like this, you know? So it's kind of easy, you know, to get them. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's a great scenario, you know, and I will ask you in that in that vein, like, where do you see the idea of influencer marketing being effective and ineffective, right? Because, you, you know, you mentioned one person or the wrong person or signing up somebody just because. Yeah, you I think, see that happens a lot versus, like, making a, a real effort to be strategic about who's yeah, why. I think there's a lot of companies out there that look at celebs and they look at that as their way out, you know, their ticket. Or, you know, and I'm like, no, nah, you can't look at it like that. You have to look at, the, the for one, the person that has to be engaged. If they're not engaged, you just don't want to do it. I don't care how big the celebrity is. And sometimes they're, like, okay with somebody's handlers doing something. I, I would never be okay with that. You know, because that shows you what the person thinks about you, the, the celeb himself. Yeah. And I know sometimes you have to go through these, you know, middlemen to get to them. But, man, it's, it's just not, it doesn't end up being a good transaction when it happens like that. The person has to be active and be engaged in what you're doing. And then if they are, then you don't have to be calling them, begging them to post something because they, they generally love it. Right. And I think that it's hard, but that, that's what you want. So, you know, when I started getting a, a few celebrities and they started, like, using it, they were engaged, they were using it. Fast forward to the future, they get, end up getting bought by Google. And keep in mind, when I was helping them, I, I didn't have—I wasn't an equity holder or nothing. I was—I never advised for anybody. And because I helped them and I pro- provided value for them, then the company was like, you know what? We're gonna give you advisory stock, and we're gonna make you, um, you know, advisor for the company. Yeah. So I—I I profited when they got acquired. That's great. So then that's when I was like, oh, this is this is real. Yeah. This is something <laughs> real. like this is a real thing. So I was like, okay, and it kind of just piqued my interest to where like. You know, getting a piece of a company, how what the type of money it could possibly make. Right. And then I started looking at things a little bit differently. So that was like my first step into that, right? And then um, keep in mind, I'm like one foot in the music industry, one foot in the tech industry. And I still am kind of like that, but I, I, I wasn't as deep into the tech industry. And I was like, I went to some of my, my, my lawyer at the time and my business manager was like, man, 
I want to do this tech stuff. Right. And they just looked at me like I was crazy. They're like, you're crazy, you know? Like, <laughs> like why, why would you want to do that? Because they're seeing the money I'm getting from the music industry, and they're like, man, I just, you know, you, you're still getting, getting money. Like, like is, so is, I mean, and in that regard, is it, like, how did it become a passion for you, right? Like, I get, like, you, I, I see from a smart, like, from an intelligence standpoint, it made sense, right? Oh, I can make money doing this. Yeah. But you're obviously super passionate about it, which is very different. Like, some people may do one or two things and, like, okay, cool, like, I, you know, I get a little check or I get a little residual or whatever. But the fact that, you know, you've made this leap now to become entrepreneur residence at what is actually the largest venture fund in LA, right? Yeah. It's, it's not. Urgy, early stage right so um, where where did the passion for it come from I think man a lot of people have a passion for the same thing and they just don't realize it you know mm -hmm. like there's people that can't even freaking put down their phones because they're looking at Instagram every day but they don't you know I guess on the business side of it they don't want to understand the business side of it. They just want to post, post. But eventually, me doing the same thing that everybody else did from MySpace and, you know, Facebook and going to all these platforms that keep coming and coming. I'm a curious, curious person. So I was like, why do these things keep coming and disappearing? Like, you know, there was Black Planet one day mm -hmm. and it's gone. Mm -hmm. We used to use AOL. He's still we don't use, still on <laughs> still on Black Planet. Uh, <laughs> we used to use all these things and these companies. And then I would have issues and things that there's always something wrong at one of the companies. And I'm like, man, how come I can't contact somebody directly? That used to bother me. Like uh, a while back, I had got my MySpace up to a million, you know, and then like they had a, 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 a hack or I don't know, something happened. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I, I lost like 200, 300,000 people like on mine. And I'm like, I worked, I was on MTV, BET, everywhere going to get this thing up. And I lost all these people. And I'm like, man. So I reached out to one person I know at MySpace and was like, how do I, like, can y'all get that back? And they're like, oh, sorry, you know. And I was like, okay, well, I got 700,000 people left. Give me the email addresses for the 700,000 people left just in case this happens again so I'll still be able to contact them. And then they're like, oh, we can't do that. And I was like, why? And it's like, it's against company policy. And I was like, why is it against company policy? It just is. And I was just like. Why is it? Like, why? Right. You know, so I was like, wait a second. I'm working. I'm going all over the world, like, po promoting this thing. It's on the side of my tour bus. Your destination, and I'm working for you now. Hmm. And I was like, you know, I started looking at things a little differently, you know. And then Facebook right. comes along. And Facebook, everybody's using Facebook. And I'm like, okay, this is where everybody's at. Let me go to Facebook. And, and you just follow this psychology of people that just go to whatever's new. You go to whatever's new. You get a big audience there, right? And not only Facebook is charging you, charging right. you. To, to, to promote to your audience. Yeah. I'm everywhere promoting this thing. And then I get this audience up, and now to make a post and to get everybody to see it, I have to pay. On my page currently, it says $7,000 per post. So if I want everybody on this page, not even everybody, a large majority of the people on my page to see this one post, $7,000. That's what I got to boost it to. And I'm like, why are we, why are we okay with this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm just an inquisitive person that asks questions, and most people maybe aren't. So I think a lot of people are into this tech. You're using it every day. We got headphones on. We love talking to the microphones. I'm the type of person that wants to know, like, if I have a problem with the microphone, can is there somebody I can contact to talk about that? Right. And I just think that that's kind of was the natural evolution for me. Well, this is an interesting angle on, on challenging convention. Right. Yeah. And you do it like with a, even with a show like Banshee. Right. Like it's, you know, how can we tell this, you know, this, this story in a different way and challenge the way that it's been Normally told done. before? Yeah. And the same thing happens in businesses or MySpace. Or Facebook is MySpace. Right. Like yeah. to, to an extent. But somebody goes, why can't we do it this way? And I think that's where innovation comes from. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I applaud you for that. And where do, I, mean, I don't know. Like, you know, when I think about um uh, young Hakeem, at, yeah. you know, at age nine, my daughter's here. She's nine. 
years old. Uh, I was like, what What were you into at the, you left Houston at nine, yeah? Mm. Or are you, okay. Oh, yeah. So you guys go, but got a little uh, red dirt under your, under your, under your shoes. <laughs> 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 um, but no, like what, what was going on with you at, at a young age that, yeah. you know, um, that kind of, I, I guess, put this curiosity in you or did you develop Man, it over time? It was, it all started from my parents. Like, you know, they used to work like hard and, I guess that's the, you know, America teaches you, like, you work hard and eventually you re- it leads you to prosperity. And, you know, but I just saw them the whole time working. My mother had multiple jobs and I just hated it. I just used to, like, you know, even, you know, when you see, like, a woman that's coming in and she's holding, like, all, like, 10 bags, you, mm-hmm. you feel like you want to just help her. Like, you know, like, oh, that, that, you know, you shouldn't be, you, you, your life shouldn't be like this every day, just grabbing all these bags and bringing them in. And, you know, my mom, me and my mom used to um, go and clean um, you know, like, you know, the office buildings when people leave, somebody comes in and clean those buildings. Like, you right. know, my mother used to go do that. And I did it because I just want, I want to take some of the weight off of her. She used right. to go do this and I used to go. And then, like, if she would go, um, you know, somebody had to clean the toilet. I was like, man, I'll do it. Because I didn't want to, but I didn't, I didn't want her to have to do it, you know? So I would just do all the hard stuff. And I'd be in, in some office building cleaning the toilet, right? And I was just like, man, what is this, man? Like, there's people, like, we, we live like this. And I, I just didn't like it. I just didn't like it. So, you know, I, when 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 I was young, all, everybody else was playing the basketball team. And I played basketball, too. But it was like I had two jobs, though, when I left, you know? Mm-hmm. I was, like, you know, working at Kroger's, you know, like, and <laughs> picking up the carts in the— in a, uh, Right, the shopping carts. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I was doing that. And then I used to be, like, it used to be little things that just, you know, I would do all this work. And then some lady would have me, like, bagging all this stuff. And I would just look and close the door. And she'd be like, thank you, and walk off. I'm like, no tip. <laughs> no tip. Like, are you serious after all that? You know, and I would be like, and People day. in Houston are so nice. Yeah, they are, man. They used to be, man. I, I could tell you stories, man. That's I used right. to be like, man, I always remembered that. So it, it, it kind of affected me in life to where now I, I remember myself being that position when I see somebody I give them a tip like even all my boys when we check out of like hotels or Airbnbs whatever I always like leave a tip in the room and they be like you supposed to leave a tip in a hotel yes cause somebody gotta come clean that man That's right. your yeah. towel's on the floor like you don't leave a tip for the person no people don't think about it they think oh we tip the waiter we messy tip. towels in most cases yeah I, like no make sure <laughs> you leave a tip in that room man for that person cause that person was me one, one time you know so I think that is what made me give me go give, gave me the drive to want to be like you know what I gotta, I gotta be the business person here because this, don't, this ain't right, you know. So right. I started figuring out things to try to get myself out of position because I came from two worlds. Like my dad and my mom. My dad was Muslim and my mom was Christian, right? So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's deep, right? Well, so yeah, exactly. Deep. That's that's so really. They, they end up getting divorced, and when they they were sipping, living in two different worlds. So at first, I was living with my dad, who was living in a nicer neighborhood, and then I ended up. Uh, getting kicked out <laughs> and then had to go live with my mother. Right. So when I live with my mother, it was a big contrast. You know, she's living like, you know, poor, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I mean, like people like getting shot next door, neighbor got killed, like, you know, just bad, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, and my mom, she looks at the world in this positive light. So she was always like, oh, it's not that bad. She always used to be like that. And I used to be like, man, we're getting out of here. I used to like, I remember my next door neighbor, one day um, I was coming home from doing an event because I used to promote and pass out flyers. And I'm thinking, I'm doing this for like $100. Like I'm out the club, people shooting at the club, crazy stuff's happening. And I was like, man, why am I doing this? And I was just for $100, mm-hmm. you know? And then I would come home. I came home like 3 a.m. I got like knocked on the door. I mean, went home, opened my door, went inside. And then I was just like, went to sleep. 
Oh no! But but before that, before I was coming home, I was um, in the hallway, and there's it's like it looks kind of like the project. So you know, there's this hall, hallway door that I'm walking past, and somebody opens the door and looks out, and he's got a hoodie on, so he closes the door. So I have to go in this door to go up the stairwell to get to my apartment. So I know what that is. When yep. I see somebody with a hoodie, I just tuck in my chain. I like take out my watch real quick and I walk right. through. And then right when I walk through, I see three dudes just sitting there looking. They all got hoodies on, and and I do. I give them the what's up, mm-hmm. and none of them say what's up back. So I'm like. Okay, so I get to the top of the stairs, and I'm like the best person in the world at running super fast on my tippy toes. Quiet, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm the best. <laughs> so I just that's, ran. That's a skill. That is a hey, true man, skill. I, I was the best at that moment, right? So I, I, on my tippy toes, ran real quick, open the door, bam, get in, close the door, and then I just looked out the peephole and just waiting. And I see them just passing, passing, passing. Mm-hmm. It's like, like right behind me. Right. So I'm like, I don't know what they was trying to do, but I, I felt like they was about to jack somebody or do something. So then I waited for a little bit. I didn't hear nothing, and I went to sleep. And they started singing. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I went to... It's a doo-wop group. So so <laughs> I went to sleep, and then um, uh, early in the morning, police came knocking at the door real loud. And then I, I like, opened the door, like, what's up? And it was like, uh, you know, did you hear any gunshots at this time? And I was like, what? I was like, nah. So I walk out the door and look, and the do- next door neighbor's door is open. And I walk, and there's, like, red tape and everything, all these people. And there's, like, blood all over Oh, them. wow. My next door neighbor God. gets, like, killed. So I don't know if they if they were, like, planning on robbing somebody, if they were, like, coming right. I don't know what was happening. But right. I, at that moment, I was like, we got to get up out of here. And it was like, seriously. man, if I got to work, if I got to. So I, I would look at everything, business. I, like, looked at it seriously because I'm, I'm having this crazy life. And I'm talking to people whose lives are so wonderful and amazing. And they're just treating everything like, you know, like. Oh, it's only five dollars I shorted you, but it's it's my five dollars. Like it matters to me because right. you don't know what this means to me, you know. So, I started looking at life a little bit differently from that point on, and everything from business. I used to be so blunt and direct with people, but it's not because I was just I had to force myself to do it. It's just what was at stake, you know. Yeah. And and I think once I I started doing it, I started seeing it worked. I told people like exactly how I felt, and it worked. Like you would think, oh no, they're gonna get mad. They're gonna not right. like what I said, and I would say it, and I was like, okay. After that, I was it was I was over. There was some um, I'm gonna botch the quote, but there was something that, along the lines of like desperation is the fuel for action, right? Yeah. Like, and it's when you it's when you hit that you know that you you, you start to come up on that forgive my French the oh shit moment like yeah it's like uh oh it's about to uh, and you and and that's also another area where innovation happens. I talked to um, a couple of weeks ago the guy who invented the prepaid credit card. Yeah. Right. This guy named Steve Street. Read just totally revolutionary. Banking, and you know, I asked him just what was that journey like because he left radio to go start this thing, mm-hmm. and he was like, he said, after a while, this was the only thing I could do. Like I had no choice but to make this work. Yeah, because, and it wasn't working at first. Yeah, and he was like I had some savings, you know, I had some, you know, and that was dwindling, and then he just really fought to make it work. You yeah. know, and I think the that combined with your sort of natural curiosity. It's yeah, for like, sure. It, it, it was that desperation plus my curiosity that made me actually. Um, there's moments and forks in my life where I could have went right, and I was like, "Nah, I gotta go left." Even though I want to go right, I'm gonna go left because this is the only way I'm gonna make it, you know. And I think you kind of sometimes have to have your back against the wall because when you do, you you do things that you didn't even know you were capable of. Right. Like it was moments where I was like nervous about things, like, "Man, I don't even know if this is gonna work," and I would just do it, and it would just work. And and like even what it took for me to become an entrepreneur and start selling mixtapes, you know. Like, I had to actually leave a label that was actually good and go do this by myself and, like, 
have confidence in myself that I was going to be able to do it to the same level that they were doing it. And I, I didn't. But I just did it because no matter how long I stayed in that position, I wasn't making money. I was right. paying dues. I was doing all this stuff, going across the, you know, the, the state and doing shows and not making no money. And I had to make money. I would go back and watch my mom eating cereal for dinner. And I would just be looking at that like, oh, I'm this rapper that's popular in the city. And I'm like, not making no money. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. And I was just like, would say stuff like that, cold turkey. People would be like, yeah, right. Because most people say that, they don't follow through. And I'll be like, oh, well, no more fame for me. So, what, so, oh, go ahead. so what was what was the, the the defining moment, you know, and, and I know that helps a lot with a lot of rappers. I mean, that that is a, that is a story that we hear a lot with yeah. folks that are in the business, whether it's entertainment or whether it's, you know, trying to become a lawyer. There's that one defining moment that's like something clicked. This is what I need to do. And, and, and for you, you know, you, you guys are selling tapes. You yeah. know, you guys, you know, mixtapes in, in Houston are obviously huge. Yeah. Um, you know, I just went to that the guy's screw tape shop like years ago. Yeah. I, my first time being there. But um, the point I'm trying to make is, is that there's something that 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 you guys are doing out there. I think that's different than what people are doing out here. Yeah. Um, can you touch on that just for a moment, like because I feel like people doing that kind of same thing in in, in Los Angeles isn't the same thing people doing it in Houston. Yeah, there's a different drive. There's a different mindset of like, here's how we can make money. Yeah, um, can you touch on that for a second? I think uh, so. In so many other regions, they have resources. They had resources at the time. Real like little old people used to look at us like we used to ride like. Um, horses or something like it's just the country in Houston. Like, what, what y'all do over there? There's not. It's not like y'all got buildings. Like, what do you mean we got buildings? Yeah, we got buildings. You know, wow. but they used to look at we used not. But the reason why that perception was there is because you look at New York and they had the buildings, they had the labels, they had the distribution, they had everything. And LA was the same way. And then in Texas, it was just like you know, just just grass, right? So because we didn't have as much resources, we made our own resources. It's kind of like they put you on an island. You're gonna find a way to make food. You're gonna find a way. To, that, that's kind of what we did. So we had to do it the hard way. We had to. Like it's not go walk into some building and give our give them our um, mixtape and they press it up. We had to like press them up, press them up ourselves. We had to find the money. We had to learn how to be entrepreneurs. We had to okay, well, who are we gonna sell them to? We got to physically sell them out the trunk to people. But we had like role models and people that came before us, like Master P, who we saw do it. So we knew it was possible. So we're like, oh, Master P, he sold all these hand to hand. We could do that too. So right. we would do that and we would invest in ourselves pretty much. We didn't have people to invest in us. And some people, everybody does this. Everybody's trying to be a rapper at the time. And why do we break through? The reason why we broke through is because it was a little bit more of an innovative approach than everybody else, you know? At the time, there's screw tapes, right? And everybody's doing tapes and then Michael Watts is doing them on CDs with more clarity. And it's just like, it was a little bit different. There's people that like screw, but there's like, all oh, the quality's not there. And then he had a little bit of more quality. Right. And then from a rapper standpoint, everybody was rapping a certain way. And me and Paul Wall at the time were rapping a little bit different. Like he's a white guy, I'm a black guy. That already was different. Mm-hmm. So then we we, we we have a different approach on lyricism when everybody else didn't have the same approach we have. And that made us stand out. Because the thing is, there's a million people trying to do things. You have to stand out. The people right. that stand out are the people that kind of like people flock to. So the moment I had that aha moment or that, that, that I got it moment is when I was at Swisher House and Michael Watts is CEO of this label. We're super popular in the city. We were selling all these records independently, everything, and I'm not making that much money. And I keep on going to them like, man, when I'm going to start making money? Oh, man, you got to pay your dues. There's like 13 other rappers that came before me and they're on the label. Getting line. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, all right, we waiting. We doing shows. We still like doing this. And then one day I go out and I see these. It's mixtapes. They're hand to hand. But then we're in Denver and I'm in Denver and I see the CD that I'm on. Right. And I look at it. It's in Denver in the store. And I'm like. This isn't hand-to-hand anymore. This is like something <laughs> right. else. How did this get into Denver, Colorado in a store? 
And they're like, oh, we got it from this distributor. What distributor? So I realized, whoa, this is now turned to something else where it's being distributed across the nation. And that wasn't by horse. Yeah, exactly. So then <laughs> I was like, nah, man, hold up, hold up, hold up. So I started talking to Paul. Like, Yo, we got to go to the CEO. We got to talk to him and tell him, like, you got to pay us. None of this. We're already on there. There's a bunch of money being made, and we own. We deserve a piece. And then he was like, man, I don't know. You can't be saying all that. You're going to get us kicked out of here. And I was like, all right, no problem. I'm going to go say it. Right. You know? So <laughs> I went to the CEO of Switch House and was like, you know what? You got to pay me 10000 And at this time, 10000 is like, like saying you got to pay me 100000 a million or something. He's like, you crazy. You got, like, no way. He's like going off. Like, I'm like, all right, I'm not rapping again until you give me 10000 And he was like, so now this is my value. I know what my value is. You might not think I'm worth 10000 That's my value. And if I'm not, you can say no, I'll leave. And this is like, this is the, the poker moment where we're bluffing each other, mm-hmm. right? But I'm not bluffing. He's looking at me like, yeah, right. So he calls my bluff. He's like, no. And I said, all right. So I left. And my boy's like thinking that he's about to be in Switch the House and still there and become big. And I'm about to like, you know, get pushed to the curb. And like two weeks passed, dude, and he didn't call me, talk to me or nothing. And then eventually he just called me. He was like, all right, I'll tell you what. I'll give you half of it now and the rest of it installments. And I was like, all right. Mm-hmm. So I got 10000 I was like, and at the time, it's a lot. Like I'm right. like, no, I, the great. guy that was getting $100 is like $10,000. And I'm like, oh. So then my partner, he, he was like, Paul Wall, he's like, I'm gonna go get ten thousand too. Try to go tell him and watch. It's like, nah, you ain't getting <laughs> get out of here. Get out, yeah, yeah, get out of here. You ain't. You're not, not an innovator. You know You're saying? second. So at that moment, that was the one moment where I got the biggest check that I had got personally and from anybody, right? And then I was like, oh, now you created a monster because everybody, everywhere, I was like, I would bluff them and say, and I would just give them like this straight look, like. And and not bluff. Sometimes I would lose, but most of the time I would win. Well, that's, I think that's also like the solo pre, pre, solopreneur just journey, right? Yeah. You, you know, you don't necessarily have a big company behind you, yeah. you know, or even in production, right? Mm-hmm. Or you know, in, in entertainment business, you're always face to face with these projects or an opportunity, and you know, either you're going to sacrifice the opportunity cost, right? There is a value to you going around the country doing shows and doing what you do, but then you're like, oh, there's actually real money that could be made, yeah. and where do you like draw that line, you know? Do you still experience that now? Like, let's fast forward to, you know, to today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even in the business world, you know, when you have a vision for something, you know, how how do you navigate giving up, uh, you know, yeah. something for an opportunity cost versus, you know, all right, like, I, I know the value of my position and my idea or my, you know, insights. I think um, I'm definitely not telling people, like, you know, if Google is sending you an offer for a billion dollars to buy your company, say no, but for <laughs> two billion, it's not like that. It's like... <laughs> It, it was. I was in situations where it just wasn't fair at all. Like there wasn't. It was nothing fair about it whatsoever. It wasn't like I was. I, I had a, a promising opportunity, a promising offer, or something. It was like nothing. Mm. And to me, I, I was never comfortable. There's so many people in this world that are comfortable watching people do something and giving them that. That was the whole thing that I was talking about when I said that when you have to leave a tip in the room, because if you're comfortable with seeing somebody work hard for you. And then not give them anything. That to me, I have a problem with that. And so many people were comfortable with me coming in and doing something for, for nothing. And I can understand that somebody's gonna give me something or make me believe that this will eventually lead to something. And people often say that. Oh yeah, you start off and then eventually how long am I gonna intern? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm cool with interning. If I want something, I wanna cool. I'll start with no money. Even though I need the money. Right. But how long? If the average, you know, internship is like a year and then you got me here for five years. 
Yeah. It's kind of like, nah, man, you know, time is passing, man. You know, we, we, we're not getting younger. So I look at it like that. Every situation, if somebody is saying something that I believe is fair, and a lot of times I'll check, I'll research. You know, the other day, um, uh, what was it? Uh, Volkswagen Global reached out because I handle all my administration for, you know, the music industry still. I don't mm-hmm. have a manager or anything. Everybody's reached directly to me. And they had a, um, um, a commercial they wanted to do or something for with my song. And they started off like, oh, well. You know, um, we only got this much, and and you know, and I'm like, oh, like, come on, Volkswagen, like, only got like, that. why right. even start right. off like that with me, you know? So right. then, <laughs> I go call and and research and ask what's the market rate for what they're trying to offer me, and obviously what they have is like way lower. So I'm like, maybe it's a negotiation point. So I start. Everybody's telling me, no, I just take it. No, I'm not just taking it. If the market rate, everybody on my level gets exactly this, and y'all are giving me way less, why? Right. I think I'm worth just as much. So then I would. You know, I would risk it almost. Like I would start negotiating with them in, in a way to where I, I don't mind if you don't do it. I'm more about fair. You know, you cannot do it. I will lose the whatever the amount is. And that's what you got to be. You got to you have to really call that bluff. I'm more about fair. Yeah. I'm more about fair. And I can tell when somebody's like trying to play me. You know, and and that's it. If you come in and you say something that's right, and you know, you don't it don't have to be a million dollars. It's just you know, don't don't try to play me. So then I ended up making them pay double. You know, Excellent. And, nice. And they paid it. I just learned something. Um, so, you know, like historically, you know, just all your ventures from like a car concierge to modeling agency to the maker studios of the world to yeah. now here, you know, and obviously a lot of people are knocking on your door or, you know, and I'm sure like once the announcement was made about, you yeah, know, right, yeah. about up front, it was like, hey, remember me? Um, <laughs> yeah. So how do you, like, how do you filter the opportunities? Because there's probably... 50 on the table at any given time, I would imagine. And you like, which ones are you going to go after? Which ones are attractive? Or are you like sizing up each one? Do you even have the time to do that? Is that where silo comes in? Uh, you know? I'm, I'm pretty inquisitive. So I actually, um, like, like to pay attention, you know, so when people are sending me stuff, uh, you know, I like to look at it. I look at my emails, I read everything. I might not respond to everything, but I see everything. And, um, because you never know what opportunity might, you know, Come be in front of you, but I will say it's very difficult to to weed through and find stuff that's good because the people that are the most the the vocal people are not necessarily often as good, you know. Like especially when it comes to companies, every guy that wants to raise money is like, oh man, I got this billion dollar million dollar idea, and they send it. It's like most of the time it's not. There's so much that they don't know. Right. And now because I'm in a position where I've learned so much. And I, I mean, I used to be that guy. I used to think that things worked a certain way. And then now that I got inside and I see the way venture capital works and, you know, angel funding and, you know, seed funding and, you know, cap tables and all, you know, now I look at things a lot different. So I can, w- what I owe people is the information. That's what I think, you know. So when they, when they hit me, I could just ignore them, but sometimes I'll tell them what's wrong with it or tell them, you know, hey, this is what you should do. Now that's time consuming because you, see, you end up spending a whole bunch of time trying to, Educate people. But that's interesting because it's, it's, it's super fair, right? Because a lot of times when people get a no, they don't get the feedback that they need yeah, to, yeah. to fix it. Yeah. Right? You know, I, like even when you look at scripts, mm-hmm. like I'll pass, right? You know, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but that feedback is so valuable. And that, and I think it's, there's one word that's just been in my head and, and be, because most interviews I've seen with you or just most stuff that's been talked about you always come by, it, it comes up uh, the word humble. Uh-huh. Right. And, and, you know, I want to I wanted to aid, like to understand what your definition of the word humble is. But I think in, in that in that regard, it's like there's this 
natural intuition to give back, whether it's the tip in the hotel room yeah. or just say, hey, I, this isn't right for me because, yeah. um, which is such a value. Most people just ignore the email. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, eh, delete, yeah. uh, block. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, right? <laughs> Locked door. Uh, but no, like, so, hey, just define that word humble for you. and and Or if you even, you know, if you even feel like it's accurate. I mean, people say humble, but for me, it's I was one of those people that never wanted to be famous. Like, I just wanted to make money. I just wanted to be, you know, I just wanted to have, be content. I wanted to be able to take care of my mother. That, that's what it was. So, you know, as to become an entertainer, you have to be this ego. You have to be this, this persona. And it's like, I could turn that on if that's what it takes, but it's not really me. Right? right. So people ask why I'm all quiet now. And then I, was, I would never was that guy that used to just, you know, I, I see some rappers or entertainers, they'll like walk into a party, walk in, shades on, jump on top of the table, hands up. Hey, I'm here. And <laughs> I I'm did looking this at morning this, before everybody got here. Like, who, who are these people, man? We're not, we're not superhuman. We're normal just like everybody else, you know? And I just, I've always felt like that. I, it, I have to pretend that I'm this, but that's not me. And I, I don't think, I think these people somehow turn themselves into it. It's like, I used to tell people like money does something crazy to you, man. It's at points done it to me. You know, like once I like made real money, right? And I, I'm millions of dollars, right? And I'm like, you know, I like my mom wants a car. I'm like, all right, cool. Bought our car and just looked at the account. It just didn't dent it. You know, not even a little dent. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. but what? <laughs> it's like, man, what else? I start looking at Amazon like, okay. We about to make a big, what can I get, right? So then you get on a flight and you start to get your first experience with first class flights. And, you know, you're learning things like, oh, you, oh, you can order a drink and, you know, and they can tell you're not here. And they're talking to you in a way like like you're not supposed to be here. Right. And then you start looking at them like, I will buy this plane. Right. Like, <laughs> money makes you start feeling like that, you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. and then after you get, a, a, you know, accustomed to it and used to it, then you start to see the other level of it like, you know, the sprinkler guy that comes and knocks on your door and is trying to charge you $10,000 of sprinklers. Like, nah, man. They don't trust no $10,000. They better, like, shoot intruders, these sprinklers. You know? <laughs> you know, and you start to, you start to like, get a certain confidence, and money does that to you. And you sometimes you have to keep yourself down because right. people can say, oh, when I get money, I'm not going to, nah, man. Everybody's going to call you. People are going to have, like, sicknesses. They're going to have, like, all kind of stuff. That they, and you're going you're gonna to turn into this person. Right. And, and my thing is just trying to manage who I am. I start to, when people start looking at you, that you grew up with your family, and they know you, and they start looking at you like you're a monster, you don't, you don't want that. Right. And it was those are the people closest to you. And I was just like, nah, man, I'm not going to be like these guys, man. I'm a, Sometimes if, you know, I try to get a flight and first class is not available, well, coach it is. And then right. it's, it's a balance because sometimes you get a coach, you're like, oh, he must be broke. He back in coach with us. Like, <laughs> no, I just wanted to get a coach Z. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I wanted to get where I needed to go. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like it's, it's, it's a balance, so man. So it's but, a bad TMZ moment. Yeah. So, so as far as the humble thing is concerned, I think – I don't know, man. I, I don't know where it comes from. I think maybe it's my mother because she was kind of like that. And I just grew up watching her care about people. She used to take care of like, you know, um, uh, like just people, old people. Like, you know, I think she used to work in a nursing home and I used to watch her like care. So I think maybe that's why I care. I don't know. Not to, not to switch gears, but I, I wanted to talk about what Chris was saying or a little bit on that in terms of tech and in terms of, you know, uh, innovations. What do you think is more important right now? What What is what is popular or what is necessary? And by, what I mean by that is like, you know, I think, you know, Facebook or the new Facebook, yeah. whatever comes out right. of Facebook will be very popular. Yeah. And then you have things that are necessary, like or maybe necessary for me, like Square. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think is more important right now? Well, the things that I see that are getting like bigger funding and a lot of people are like getting excited about are the things that are necessary you know like there's there's an area that where disruption is needed right like think about uber 
you know, something that's really very disruptive, right? Uh, you know, you used to go try to uh, catch cabs and like, and as a black man, like I, I was like, thank God for something like this because I used to stand out there and I used to be in New York trying to get a cab and they would just be like driving past me, driving past me. They'd stop, where you going? Open up, going there and drive off. He's it would take me, it just happened not, to me. No, it just happened to me two days ago. Wow. Literally just happened to me two days it ago. It would take a long time to catch a cab and I was like, True. man, this is a big problem. Don't go, then, don't go uptown because you're never going to get My publicist, we'd have to send my publicist out to the street and she would raise her hand and the car would just stop and then we'd run and jump in like, ha ha, I got you. You know? <laughs> and we used to be like, man, this is. So once uh, Uber and Lyft came, it was like, oh, I, a car has to come to me and it's like two minutes. And it's like, you know, so this like, and then we could say, oh, that, that's a cool problem they're solving. But if we think about the, the depth of the problem that they're solving with like less drivers on the road and more people in cars. So, you know, that's helping the ozone layer or, you know, we're, we're um, you know, it's giving people jobs, you know, yeah. um, it's giving um, it's helping in places where they don't have uh, like you can go to Dubai right now. You can go to places over overseas and and and. Hail a car, cab mm-hmm. instantly, and then on top of that, think about the um, you know, the problems with like when you get in a cab, you don't know who this driver is, you know. Right. It, it, I think it solves so much, and it's a big problem. Yeah. And when you see that, then you're like, okay. Or so, even, even or you can make like just a little cute app that you know has cute kittens on it, you know. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> it's, it's not there's not a place for that because that's entertainment for people. But you know, the ones that are like really disruptive, you know. And I and as I said in the VC firm, I see some companies now that I mean. I used to have like this level of companies, like you know, like I used to think on a level A, whatever is higher than A, that's what's coming in there. It's like stuff that I didn't even think was possible. I'm like, you're gonna solve what? And and you actually believe that these people are gonna do it? It's like the most amazing thing ever. And now, I, I guess you kind of get a little bit desensitized to some of the companies that come in because when somebody has like a, just a cool app, it just doesn't even seem as impressive because you've seen so much that's just yeah. amazing. And a lot of them are like repetitious, right? Like we're you know we're yeah, the yeah. Instagram for Instagram, yeah, but exactly. because we, we take we take double pictures. You're exactly. like you know it, that's not to me that's not an innovation, nor is it necessary. You know, yeah. at, at some point. So as as your residency you know evolves. And 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 begins to take up time. What um, what what's where's your head at in in terms of designing an organization? Like, where are you? Where are you thinking? Are you thinking in terms of teams empowerment, um, solving some of those big macro problems that you just mentioned? Yeah. Is it more on the you know? And also, you know, I I just to throw this in there, I I don't always look at innovation as technology, right? Like, yeah. you know, something fun. I've been obsessed with is like daybreaker dance parties, yeah. right? Like people getting up at six thirty or showing up at six thirty someplace to party for two hours <laughs> and that's before just they go different to work. In a way, things it's super different, time. right? Yeah. And and you know, and, and they're like they've launched in New York, L.A., London. Like it's all in this one company, you mm-hmm. know, that's doing these things. And it, it, but who who would have thought? Yeah. So like, what where where's your head at right now? In terms, of, like as you're seeing all this stuff coming in, you have this history, and you know you want to create something that's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think uh, what you just said is kind of what I'm like in the in a uh, immediate future is what the way I look at things. Like you know, I'll look at something come in, and I'll just think of a different way to do things because so many people are stuck in this box, right? And it's just like this this list of things that they just check off, and I just often think outside of that list. You know, so I'll see companies and think of ways that I could add value that they might not be thinking of. Or I'll see ideas and think of, hey, maybe you could possibly do this. And the good thing about this is that when I was in the music industry, I used to, and I'm still in the music industry, but, you know, when I was deep, deep in the music industry, right. I used to um, go to record labels and say things creative, and they would always block the innovation. 
They never want to change anything. They have systems and then things work a certain way and they never want to change everything. Every artist's commercial that you would see on the TV, buy my album, 1099, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's what it was, everyone. And they never, I was like, well, why don't we just change that and just be the one, like I want to do a commercial where we, we have a fake Geico lizard up there and my lizard knocks him out. There's a new lizard in town, chameleonaire. You know, like, you know, like right. they're like, oh, what? Looking at me like I was crazy, you know? So when you get into the tech world and you start to throw crazy ideas at people, they like them. Right. like innovation so I was like whoa these people like this creativity and you know people ask me about when are you writing a new song for me it was more about creating like watching this thing that I made turn into something big mm -hmm. right and that is still a different form of creating I might not be making a song but I'm still you know adding value to something that's turning into something so that's where the advising happened and then I want to get deeper I started investing I invested in Maker Studios and then that made an exit and I invested in other companies uh, Me Too a few other companies and now I'm actually even taking it further because I'm actually taking um, we have a fund that we created personally uh, with me and a few other celebrities and we're all going to be investing in you know tech companies so it's nice. like i'm trying to bring the bring these people in like look this is what's going on here and not trying to like keep them in the dark i could just do this by myself make a bunch of money become wealthy and not say nothing to everybody but i have an obligation to tell people give people this information making a blog so that people can have the resources to actually know because so many people from the world i came from didn't have that so that's like my immediate goal but in the long term i will eventually be a founder of a company and because I believe all this information that I'm getting, it needs to go towards something, right? Yep. So then I will be in that CEO seat. But this venture capital, how it works for me is that, you know, I'm in a, a VC firm and people that believe in me and are investing in me right now. And that's, this is like uh, deja vu. This is like, uh, you know, I used to be in uh, this young kid that didn't know it all. And I went to the major label and they were the VC firm at the time. And I got them to invest in me and then I turned it into something big. So this is that moment all over again but just in, in the tech space. Well, uh, and a lot of people uh, in uh, like present company included, and I think they look to you or look up to you as this sort of example of possibility, right? Yeah, like, exactly. You, know, you, you talk about like uh, from a murder next door to CEO, and, you know, and, and being a, a resident at a, at a venture capital firm, not a common journey. Yeah. Um, what do you, you know, but when people hear your story, like what do you want them to take away from that? Like if you could give them like one sort of, key, or, you know, a couple of key things that you go like, this is kind of where, like one of my personal mantras is change the way you look at things and the things you look at will begin to change. Wow. Right. And that's just something I carry with me everywhere. And that's how, like you talk about like those small tweaks, those micro innovations. Oh, let's knock the lizard out. Like it's, it's just, let's look at it a little bit differently. But you know, with your story as this sort of, I'm going to call it an, an epic journey. <laughs> um, but uh, what do you, what do you want people to, to walk away with when they, when they hear that story or encounter you? Um, I have some friends and people that feel like, man, you're different, man. You know, like you, you wanted to enlighten ones. You're one of the people that's just smarter. You're one of the people that's more lucky. You're one of the people that's, like, they throw all these excuses. And I'm like, man, one thing that is common for all of us is that information is there. It's there. You know, you just have to want it. You know, if you want to be a lawyer, there's some people that go to school and do all this stuff, but there's information there. You might be able to just become smarter than the other person just by going and getting the information faster. So where's the information at? Where do you find it? Let's find out where we get this information for. Like if you're doing a job right now and, you know, I used to say that people would do a job and they'd be like, man, I can't make no money. And, and like I often think, like, why did you go this way? What, what, what in your life made you be like, I want to go take the, get, become this job, right? And it, they'll say, well, you know, I just heard that, you know, but did you research all the other? the options, all the other possibilities, how much does an engineer make starting salary, how much does, you know, 
And it, it, my family, we're the type to do that. We're the type to do the work and want the information. So I think that can lead you, I don't know, somewhere to success. And everybody's not going to be a basketball player. Everybody's not going to be a rapper. But let's, you know, and even when I was trying to be a rapper, I was like, okay, if I don't, let me do this job and maybe this job will lead me here. And 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 I'm not talking about the American dream of like, oh, go to college and you're going to end up getting a job. And my parents did that. My parents ended up with like Sally Mae loans, student loans, like owing a bunch of money. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that that doesn't that's not the journey for everybody. And some people aren't built to be entrepreneurs. But whatever you're trying to do, there's information there that you have to go get. If you're trying to get a restaurant, go find information about it so you know. Go talk to people. Get as much information you can so it heightens your chance of success. Because a lot of people trying all kind of things and they fail. Man, some of my boys, they've tried every business and they possibly could have been successful at one of them, but they don't, they're just going into it. They're just diving not with no information. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about information, oh man, I'm, I'm not trying to read all that. I'm not, you know, like what? <laughs> right. You want to be successful? Get, I don't care if you read. I don't care if you go take a crash course with your buddies. You got to get the information. I just think that there's information out there and I'm, I'm, I'm upset at myself because now at this point I'm learning at such an accelerated pace. All the other time I was wasting time. I was wasting time doing all the other stuff that I thought I had to do. Right now, I just got on Instagram like two weeks ago because everyone's like, why? They thought I was an alien because I was on Instagram, man. I just know how it works. You get on there, you're looking at pictures, and next thing you know, you're just looking at pictures all day, and you're looking at cute chicks and looking at funny. Like, time is valuable to me. Every minute of the day, I am using it to try to progress, but because there's people that depend on me, right? Maybe everybody else is not going to have this same, you know, there's people that come from good you know, families and they don't have the same pressure. I can't afford to fall off because there's too many people that aren't enlightened like me that, 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 that like depend on me. Right. So I think that's for me, I think anybody could have that. Anybody could go out and find information on what they're like. If you want to get involved in tech, find out who the top tech VCs, tech websites and Mm -hmm. follow them, Mm -hmm. read them. And you'll learn. Google you is like everybody's best friend. Yeah, I got like, a friend. If you want to accomplish anything, you know. I got a friend named Justin, Justin Khan. He sold his company Twitch for like a billion dollars, right? And I, he's like super refined, man. He'll think up an idea and be like, oh, yeah, this idea is good. And then two weeks later, he's got the whole business plan and everything. And I'm like, and he sends it to me. I'm looking at it like, man, how did you do this? How did you get the market size? How did you get all? Right. He's like, Google. And I'm like, man, that was prolific. But like, bro, you got to tell me more the than that. The secret to yeah. success, bro. Yeah, selling he's a like, company to Amazon is Google. Yeah, like, he's, like, he's like, man, go Google it, man. The information's out there. I just, you know, I went and looked it up. And I was like, you just don't know where to start. The internet is big. It's huge. just all this noise. You have to find where. And I was like, man, just point me in the right direction. But he, then a lot of people won't go do anything because there's nobody helping them. They think somebody owes them. Like, man, Cam, you got to help me. You know, those people that be like, you got to sign me. So I, nah, don't. No, no. I don't care what you're doing. Do it yourself. Act like nobody else exists. Act like nobody's going to help you. Act like your mother's not going to let you come sleep on the couch when you're done. Right. Like, go out there and get it yourself. And if you do that and you start to make progress, everybody else will fall in line. And I just think that Justin, you know, it sounds like kind of crazy that he would just be like, go Google it. But he pro- that's probably really what he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like the fake it till you make it where you can you can go get you can at least go get enough information. information. Right. And then to point you in the right direction. Right. You, you, you find people like you will also like give you the feedback. You know, when I started as a writer, I used to write like you read in a um and in, in, like the school play books, you know, like the person's name, colon, then the text, and then, you know, some exposition instead of like, oh, script format. Like yeah. in a, in a, in, in, in a, I sent it to a bunch of people for a couple of years. And then one guy was like, hey, here's what you need to do. I love the content mm-hmm. here's what you need to do yeah. um really quick you don't cuss you don't smoke yeah, you don't yeah. drink 
Um, you don't even cuss when you when you stub your toe, like it, <laughs> nah, not really, <laughs> <laughs> not really. See, I got you. Nah, just, I don't, I don't count the last time I did. I it depends on God, what you think cursing is, because I used to like say like n word and stuff like that, but now I just don't. But it's the reason why I don't as a music is because I realized when I was going doing shows is like one time I did a show is like. I don't know, 50,000 white, white kids mm-hmm. just out there. And then I just like got to the N-word part. And right when I said the N-word, my DJ stopped the music and the whole crowd said the N-word. And I was just like, <clears throat> and I just started looking at like, right. what? Like, did, I, did I make y'all feel comfortable enough to say that? Like, right. <laughs> not even just blanket. And I was just like, man, I don't know. So it was because I knew where the music was going. Mm-hmm. And I felt, I felt, I felt a way about that. You know, I felt like I shouldn't be doing that. And I, it was just this conscious that was just in my ear telling me that the whole time. So as far as the smoking and drinking, I never ever had a like uh, even a slightest like want to want to smoke. I don't. I don't. It's like all my boys that smoke, man. They got like weed crumbs all over the house and stuff, man. I'm just <laughs> right. looking like, and then most of them I know they're just very non-productive, and I like to be productive. I, I don't like downers. I used to take like Red Bull, mm-hmm. and I used to drink caffeine a lot because I wanted to just go, go, go. Right. Let's get it. It's time to go. You I'm know? Just, I, like I would hate to see you on Red Bull and caffeine. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't. I don't take. I don't even drink caffeine no more. I'm, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's more of a, just a mental thing of me trying to like. I would tell myself one day like, well, maybe I should just not drink. Right. And then I would just quit cold turkey and yeah. just. So I've drank before, but I just don't drink now. It's true. It, it, it is. Uh... A non-productive. Yeah, it's more exercise. of a social thing that you want to. But most people that I know are social. They just want to hang out and just hang. Like right. I don't got time, man. I'm trying to get it, you know. So I, I don't. That's so why true. I don't do it, you know. So true. Um, yeah, and just along those lines, I, I, I said that in jest, but like I always felt like good rappers, good MCs, like you have to be super smart, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're using, you know, metaphors, rhythm, timing, Similarly, you know, right. authenticity, right? Like all these different, the creative flow, like all these different things that really translate into the business community. So it's like you were steeped creatively in like, in a lot of the the things that, and the business side, right? You've yeah. got it, but it's just kind of like that poeticism that flows into the, the business side of things. So. But it's a gift and a curse because once you start learning stuff, and becoming enlightened, then you start to realize that you want to handle the business part more. So you're less of the creative because you're so busy handling the business side. And I think that's kind of where the fans start to lose value because they want you to just be this creative being all the time. Right. And a lot of the creative people are sitting there, but then eventually they get to a point where they start to think about the money side and they start to handle things that they shouldn't be handling. Or uh, it would be awesome if, if you're a creative guy and your business person, people are very on point. They pay you everything right and everything's good. But that's rarely the case. Right. You start to find out, you know, you're getting screwed because they look at you as this creative guy and he's not really a business guy. Right. He's not yeah, you have, it was like a, a mentor of mine. Like, he's, he knows enough about things to be dangerous, but, you know, he's not an expert in any of those things. So yeah. it's like, I can go, and like you said, you, I can challenge the sprinkler guy and like, uh, that's not $10,000. Yeah. Like, I, I know sprinklers, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, or I know lighting. Like, I don't need that lighting package, right? Yeah. It's, um, but you also let your team do, do their thing. Um, as we begin to close, um, the show is called Innovation Crush, mm-hmm. as you know. Uh, what are some things that are out there that you're crushing on that you're like, wow, that is really, I mean, it can be your own world. It can be in Africa, you know, (laughs) wherever you see the the most uh, innovation or just awesomeness happening. Um, well, honestly, man, when I was a little bit nervous about coming into the venture capital firm because I was like, man, what are they going to try to turn me into VC? I'm going to be in a suit. I'm like, I don't want to do all that. You know, <laughs> so then when I got up in there, I started to see that there are people that are really trying to change like real things about the 
earth. You know, like there's people that a guy that uh, I don't even know if I can tell about his company, but there's there's people that are doing things that they feel like you know this earth is going in a place that is going is going downward, mm-hmm. and most people just can ignore it, and maybe it won't happen in our lifetimes. But there's some people that actually care about fixing the earth, <laughs> right? And I'll be like, man, that's a, a honorable thing to want to do, but. Like, how are you going to do this? And I hear people come in and look at you straight in the face and tell you. Like, to me, I, I'm amazed by this person because you have stepped completely out of your own personal want and have thought about everybody else mm-hmm. and made your life's mission to be to help everybody else. And to me, that's, that's uh, like, you, you, you often look at people sometimes and think that there's no good people left on this earth no more. Like, people will be mean, they'll rob. You look at the news every mm-hmm. day and you see all the people getting robbed and car chases and it's like man it's no good people and then you see people walk in and you almost whether their money's business is making money or not you almost want to invest just because the way they think right and i i see stuff like that and i get excited about just humanity you know what i'm saying so um there's people that that they're not have never been to africa i want to save africa mm-hmm. you should look into that, this company called uh not impossible, not impossible. Um, the ceo was a guest on the show and i mean they've done some amazing projects right they, i mean they they built this thing called an eye writer and and which uh, there was a graffiti artist who uh, named Tempt mm-hmm. who had ALS and was paralyzed. And, and like seven years into his paralyzation, they took a pair of glasses and a camera from a PlayStation and some coat hangers and built a thing called an eye writer, which they won Time Magazine's wow. Invention of the Year for, where he could paint using his retina. Yeah. Um, and did a projection outside his hospital room, did all that. And like that was six, seven years ago. Wow. But but their whole mantra is tech for the sake of humanity. Um, wow. And it's, it's, it's really, really, really crazy. And I've seen some virtual reality stuff that's like amazing, you know, like, you yeah. know, uh, think about a person that's like uh, deaf mm-hmm. that 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 or a person that's handicapped that can't go and, and being able to put on this this headset and be able to be in this world and do things that they couldn't have done before. Yeah. And I'm like, man, it's just it's amazing. What are you using VR to, to even treat phobias? Right. Like, yeah, where yeah. It's like you have a fear of X, like mm-hmm. put on the headset, get in that environment. And, yeah. You know, like, and it oh, forces you put you in the pit of snakes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> Indiana I, Jones. I, I definitely don't think that my mind is like. Elon Musk enough to be able to accomplish some of the stuff that these people are accomplishing. Right. You know, I've seen them. They've, they've got, you know, they went to Stanford. They started super early and now they're just so far ahead yeah. mentally that it, 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 I'm impressed by that. I'm well, watching. Yeah, but you also have the intuition to know like which one of those. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're in a good position. Yeah. Exactly. And, and honestly, which one's worth the the money? Like right. I, I could, yeah. you can invest in all kinds of companies. I like to invest in a company that I just believe is worth it. Right. I believe that the, the founder is worth that investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, last but not least, complete this phrase for me. It should be easy for you. Back to your freestyle days. Uh, <laughs> innovation to me is innovation to me is disruption. Innovation to me is creativity, and innovation to me is risk. You're the first person that gave three. This is this is. I mean, a, I could go record. like twenty. Right? <laughs> I was like, innovation to me is a lot of things. Innovation to me is needed. For sure. Nice. Yeah. It was my, uh, when I first started the show, and I was like, I'm going to see if I can do this thing at the end of the, each show. And then uh, one of the first people asked, they, they said pancakes. And I was like, oh, no, I shouldn't have ever asked that question. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> but they're, it, not, they're not entirely wrong. They're not wrong. Because what, why? Why do you say that? Because a pancake was an innovation. I mean, you know, before that, what were we eating? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Pan- yeah. Her point was like, you can make it anything you want. Like, it's the one of the most plain things you can have. And you, but 
but you can make them into any shape. You can add whatever toppings, whatever extra ingredients. It, like, there's no end to what a pancake can become. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, and it's really like, just, you're like oh. just don't bring that pancake to the venture capital firm. Uh, we're going to be like, uh, we've seen that before, bro. Pan.cake. <laughs> I got a new take on pancakes. It's like, uh, all right, man. You might want to uh, take that to Shark Tank, man. <laughs> Mr. Buttersworth. Uh, but no, thank you, man, for coming in. Yeah, this man. has been thank great. Thank you for having Absolutely. me. I love interviews like this, man. I could be like here for like two hours. Uh, no, I'm serious. I, I know. see my boy over at packing. He's I know. Like, I, I saw him. the airport. Exactly. He was making me nervous. I'm like, okay, all right. He hadn't taken the shades off the whole time. <laughs> security or business manager. Which, uh, uh, so anyway, thank you, guys. Thank you both for, for joining us. Thank you, Brooklyn. Absolutely. Hi, Brooklyn. Hello. You guys speak louder so people won't think I'm crazy. (laughs) Uh, Everyone, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. Peace.